You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast with uh, Chad Ozy and Jeff Cross. Uh, I am Jeff Cross, and uh, if you've listened to any of our podcasts before, typically Chad does his part. And he's on his mandatory podcast union break. So he can't start for another couple more minutes. I'm just joking. Chad is here. So um, before we get started and before we get into it, Chad's going to introduce our guest. Um, we're, we're, we need to call to action, everyone. We do, if you enjoy this podcast or you've listened to this podcast and found some sort of value or know someone who might find some value, we would really uh, appreciate you sharing this information with them. Just, you know, just share it in a, in a text or an email. And uh, let them know this podcast is out there uh, for the betterment of officiating and, and life in general. So um, we do appreciate that. And if while you're on there, if you would feel led to do that, we would sure appreciate a five-star rating and even a review. Because the more action we get on this podcast with ratings and reviews, that is going to help the algorithm uh, push our our podcast to other people that just might need it. So um, all that being said, let's get right into it. Chad, who do we got today? I'll tell you what, I am really excited about our guest today. Now, I first met our guest, oh man, had to be four or five years ago, something like that, um, at a junior college basketball game was the first time I saw him. Um, like the very next week, I'm at a Division three basketball game. I turn around and here's this guy wearing a different colored shirt with a different logo on it. Uh, then like the week after that, I'm watching one of my friends work a division one game. And I look over at a table and I see the guy wearing a third shirt with a third logo on it, uh, working at the table. And, uh, and I have, I have affectionately called our guest today, the, the hardest working guy in, in sports. And the reason that I've done that is because our guest today, um, is passionate about sports, um, lots of different sports, specifically college women's basketball has a huge passion for that, loves volleyball, softball, lots of other things as well. Uh, but he currently um, serves as a uh, as an announcer for Division I basketball team in the Missouri Valley. Uh, he serves as uh, play-by-play for junior college women's basketball and volleyball. I have seen him announcing for college softball. He does high school, volleyball, football, basketball. Uh, I'm fairly certain if they did tiddlywinks, he would be out there calling the game in one way, shape, or form. Uh, all the way down to junior high, he's worked for the Illinois High School Association with their state softball series. Um, and uh, it, it is it is uncommon to see someone of his age with the kind of drive that he has, not only to do a job, but to do it to a very, very high level. And it's very evident uh, when you see him before and after games and the way that he goes about what he does. 
And so we wanted to talk to this person for a couple different reasons. One, we just want to know what, uh, what causes this uncommon drive in him, because we think that's something that all of us need if, if we're going to be uncommon in our drive towards success. Uh, but secondly, because of all the different sports and all the different levels, I mean, this person even works professional sports. He works in the summer for the Peoria Chiefs uh, doing work for them. And so he has seen officials at the professional level, at the Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, junior college, high school, junior high. Um, and so I think he brings a very unique perspective on officials and officiating. And we are super excited to talk to him today. And so our guest today is Alex Staub. Alex, how are you doing today? Well, Chad, I'm doing great. And quite frankly, I don't know if I'll ever get quite an introduction like that again. So I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Uh, Alex is a, is a phenomenal guy. Alex is currently a student at Bradley University uh, and uh, is uh, uh, pursuing um, what he does within sports as a career. Alex, tell us just a little bit real quick about how you got started in this. What was it that drew you to it in the first place and, and why do you do it today? Well, it, it was actually the public address announcing side of things that really got me going. Um, so I'm a graduate of Metamora High School um, and our, we're as most small town, a crazy football town. And um, so I was at a game when I was little and for some reason I had this affinity to be pointing up to the press box and say, I want to be that guy. I don't want to be getting laid out on the grass and concussed or hurting my leg or whatever it may be. Um, every Friday night, I wanted to be the guy with the microphone that everybody heard. And, um, I do want to make sure I mention his name, Gary Baranowski. He's still our football PA announcer today. He's done it for about 15 or so years, but, um, he's truly the inspiration that really got me going into this industry to begin with. Um, but in terms of why I do it today, it's it's really just for the fun of it. Like, I know that sounds weird. Like, I do still have the professional drive to advance my career. But at the same time, one of the things I've always been taught is, like, if you're having fun doing what you're doing, you're darn sure you're in the right place. And I don't think there's any one of the roles I have. You mentioned from professional all the way down to junior high. I don't think there's one of the roles I have that I'm not having fun doing. And that's why I do it. I do it, you know, maybe off to the side to hopefully advance my career some somewhere down the road. But at the same time, I do it because I'm having fun and I get to see the student athletes um, succeed at whatever level. And, you know, now that I've started to have been doing it a while, I see siblings, I see former athletes I've announced get married, have kids, whatever it may be. So to see that kind of progress as my career has gone along, it's it's a nice little thing for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, with all of the different sports that you work, I think this is something that officials can definitely relate to. Uh, when you're starting out, you're working those junior high games or you're working those travel ball games. And then as you as you move up things, uh, you know, you get the opportunity to work that first high school game and then a high school varsity. And then maybe you progress to that college level or whatever. What is it about working all of those different levels uh, that makes you better at what you do? Well, I, I feel like you can pull certain things from what happens, like, for example, so if I'm calling a junior college game on a Tuesday night and then something kind of similar situationally happens in the high school game on Friday night, I can say, well, you know, I was just calling a game and so and so on Tuesday and this happened. And so, like, I, I think that's probably where I find it coming up the most is when there's like maybe a slightly unique situation or even if it's just a set play or something like that. And you know, it kind, of, it kind of keeps me on my feet, too, in terms of seeing the game at so many different levels and knowing what's what, when's, when it's happening and that kind of thing. And, you know, and kind of talking about it through the lens of officiating, um, seeing all the officials at the different levels kind of helps me understand the rules, as, as, as you found out a couple nights ago, <laughs> Chad. <laughs> uh, Alex was, uh, was working a game. And uh, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, they're, they're taking this timeout. And they, they only called a 30-second timeout. What's going on? And it was a, a junior college that was, was using media timeouts. So for those of 
you that weren't sure. And I, I happened to be listening to the broadcast in, in prep for our conversation this week. And so I immediately shot him a Facebook message and said, okay, this is what happened. This particular conference just made this decision this year. This is how it works uh, and all that kind of thing. And it was, it was kind of fun to, uh, to, to watch that happen. Jeff, I know you've had experience with, with Alex as well. Uh, what have, what have your impressions been or what questions do you have for Alex today? Well, I have one phrase, professional, absolute 100% professional all the time with a little twist of, um, you know, he says he enjoys what he does. I mean, I think that's an understatement. You, know, you can mm-hmm. just see the, the smile on his face. You can see, you know, he's just, he's just, he's happy. He's happy to be where he's at. He's happy to be part of what he's doing. So, um, and I, and I'm going to be honest, I, you know, I've seen Alex for over the years and never really put the connection from ICC to, you know, uh, Bradley or wherever that is. So I just never put that connection until you helped me connect through that. So and when you brought that to my attention, I'm like, huh. And in Western Illinois, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I, okay. This guy's around a lot. And in, in turn, it, 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 I'm, I gravitated, gravitated towards him in a way, because I knew he was professional. I knew that um, whether or not we agreed or disagreed, he was in it for the position of being professional and passing on the information that was given to him, either via me or one of my partners, something like that. So that that kind of professionalism, I don't want to say it's rare, but it sure is appreciated for sure. Absolutely. You know, we actually had a, a conversation, Alex, uh, last week with a, a Division One college women's basketball uh, official, Angie Inland, who uh, who had a pretty horrific injury. Um, and it was very interesting to me that one of the first groups of people that she brought up that reached out to her after her injury were media personnel. Uh, you know, these are people that had had seen her on the floor and had been around her and had called her name in games and things like that. And, uh, and I found that really interesting because I think there are a lot of officials out there, um, regardless of sport, regardless of level, that kind of see uh, media personnel as the enemy. Uh, and, and one of the reasons that I think they see that is because, again, it's, it's very easy to hear a, a visceral kind of reaction to a play. Oh, that was a foul and they didn't call it. Or she pushed off and nobody did anything. Or how could that be a charge or whatever? And, and we hear that. So I, I think it would be really interesting uh, for our officials that are listening right now uh, to understand the difference between uh, – a media personnel who is working for a team specifically versus media personnel that maybe is working an unbiased national broadcast. And, and there's very few people doing that. The vast majority of people are, are working for someone. Can, can you help us understand that a little bit, Alex? Yeah. So I, I think the best way I can describe it um, is you're trying and especially, you know, with my college role, it's audio only. So mm-hmm. when you talk about radio broadcasting, you're trying to paint the picture of what the listener can't see had they been tuned in for a video broadcast on top of that you know you talk about working for a team you're trying to replicate for that listener that assuming is a fan of said team how would i be feeling if i was at that game Mm. if i didn't like if i saw that call and i didn't like it you know i may not like a call but you know i know and thankfully with relationships with people like jeff and chad and, you know, you guys have been a big difference in that and being able to kind of clarify some things, because like in the heat of the moment, I'd be like, oh, really? What? But, you know, you get that further clarification. And you know, I've even gotten that public address wise um, at volleyball. But, yeah, when you're when you're working with the team, that would probably be the big difference is, you know, you hear often radio, you're painting the picture, but you, you're also trying to think what the fan would feel if they were actually at that game. I feel like that's another lens of painting the picture of a broadcast that not many people talk about. Yeah, I really like that because I think, again, you know, many times uh, we as officials, somebody will send us a clip, whether it's video, audio, whatever. Oh, you're not going to believe what this person said about your call or what they did or, you know, whatever. And many times we as officials can get very defensive because we're out there trying to do our best, trying to, to do our thing. And it's like, well, well, they don't know the rule or they don't know this. And, you know, they, they made us look a, a certain way or not a certain way. And, and that is a difficult thing because as just as a human being, 
Um, you, you don't want people to feel like you're, you're doing it wrong, but those kinds of things do happen from time to time. So much of what we do as officials are judgment calls. There are things that are black and white, but other things are judgment calls and people can have different judgment about the same thing based on, uh, uh, angle and where you're at and who you're rooting for and, and, and all that kind of thing. One of the things that I'm really curious about, though, Alex, is you get to see so many officials at so many different levels. Um, tell me, what is it about an official that makes them stand out to you, positively or negatively, either one? Well, I, I think it's all, you know, you kind of, and again, thank you for the kind words, but talking about um, the professionalism, I, I feel like, you know, they're I look at one aspect. I'll I'll do, use specifically basketball as an example. Um, coaches riding the official pretty hard. You take it. You you know enforce. You're the authority on the game. You do what you need to do, but you don't overstep that boundary. You're not like almost trying to one up or go toe to toe with that coach. Things like that. Oftentimes, another way I'll gauge it, and again, good or bad is and you are both you two are both familiar with this i'll go down to the officials before the game to get their names for the broadcast and that's kind of my first tip off okay or is this a friendly crew they you know they're in a good mood they're ready to call the game what have you um and kind of on your last point about angles um i make sure if i am going to critique an official's call not to throw jeff under the bus but i'll use jeff as an example here and i'll (laughs) say you know well you know, Jeff, um, he's over there on that baseline, so maybe he didn't have as good of an angle on that call, so you got to give him that because, you know, maybe had he been at a different part of the court, he would have made the call this way. And, you know, so things like that. Um, but I, I think, you know, for the most part, um, I, I ha- I've only really had one um, anonymous, one that I haven't, like I've consistently had issues with, but I mean, especially you two, not, I'm not, you know, sucking up because we're on the podcast here, but especially you two, like I haven't really had any negative experiences or negative vibes coming from officials other than the one who I'll leave out. But still like that just shows that at least in the teams I've worked around um, have been very thankful to either assign or be assigned um, some pretty quality officials. I like yeah. that. Go ahead, Jeff. I want to. I want to ask a question here. So, it, it's interesting how you say you're making this uh, judgment per se on your first impression when you go out trying to find names or whatever it is. If you don't know who they are, and for the officials that are listening right now, not only are you being judged by your demeanor, by coaches, players, fans, you're the broadcaster. You know, everyone in that gym is judging you by the way you walk, talk, blink your eyes sometimes, you know, how you stand. They're, they're, they're passing judgment on what kind of evening they're about to embark on with you, with the three of you or whatever that may be on, on that event. So um, if, if you take anything away just in this first you know, few minutes of this conversation is you are being judged all the time, whether you like it or not whether you want to be or not, as soon as you put on the striped shirt, someone is passing judgment on your demeanor and how you're going to perform, whether or not it has nothing, has anything to do with actually how you perform. They're passing that judgment in that first 60 seconds. Would you agree, Alex? Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of on that point, like, and I, I make sure to, you know, like, well, maybe if I go down to the have my typical pregame officials conversation, they say, well, we don't really feel comfortable sharing that with you. Or we don't really feel like we should be talking to you before the game. Like, I'm not going to go on and call the game like, well, I had this horrible conversation with the officials before the game or the officials were in a really bad mood. So, you know, the game is going to get called awful or something like that. So at the same time, even though I might be able to kind of pick up on their maybe in a bad mood or just maybe not fully understanding that I literally just need your names to introduce you at the top of the broadcast. Um, You know, I make sure not to let that carry over into the game. Um, But then there's other things like, you know, and this has kind of been, I won't say a full on narrative, but a point in officiating, I would say over the years is the, um, Oh, they just want to get it over with, you know, like whether it be not calling anything or, well, they want to try and get it to overtime. So they call these fouls. I, you know, 
that's the way it is. And like, you know, you follow the rule book. You don't call it how you want to. The rules are the rules and you're making your judgment calls based on those rules. And it might come across as he just wants to get out of here, but maybe there isn't that much contact or maybe they didn't travel or made whatever it may be. So yeah, that's a, it's an interesting situation. Well, you know, one of the phrases that are uh, conversations that I've had with coaches in the past, you know, where in, in women's basketball, we have this hand check, you know, you, two hands on automatic hand checks and stuff like that. And, you know, we may not see a single one or very few of those fouls called early in the game. And all of a sudden we got about three minutes to go in the fourth quarter and now they start showing up. And a coach will ask me, you know, how come all of a sudden you're calling them? And my response typically is, well, you know, I'm calling them because they're there. And two, maybe, just maybe, the kids are more tired now. So they have to play more handsy. So they have to do those things. So now I have to blow the whistle. They're pretty fresh in the first period and the third period because they just come off break. When they're now they're at the end of the game, they're winded, they're, they're you know, very exhausted in a tight ball game. Those things come into play where coaches and fans and, and announcers, whoever they may be, don't necessarily take that process. And we're not just making those fouls up where all of a sudden they're appearing because of the, you know, whatever kids are you know tired or whatever that may be. So, yeah. and if I can jump in real quick and kind of on that point and Chad, you might've um, heard this listening to my latest broadcast. I feel like sometimes, you know, maybe it might be kind of a gray area call. Like I was using Jeff as an example about, well, maybe he didn't have the best angle on it, or you couldn't maybe see something 100% concretely, but if it happens again on the next possession and you've got a B line of an angle on it, okay, that is what I did in DC, you know, blow the whistle. But I mean, you're, you're going to run into things like that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, Alex, I think you brought up something really interesting that maybe some of our officials just haven't had a lot of experience with. You know, we have we have a lot of people that listen to this broadcast that that are working high school sports that maybe are stepping into junior college or small college sports and, and working their way up. And so many of them just may not have been exposed to media personnel before. You know, and, and especially someone who it's it's their job, you know, to to go do that, whether that's in a, a part time, full time capacity, whatever that might be. And so it might be really interesting for some of our listeners to understand that, you know, if somebody comes up to you wearing a, a logoed shirt, whether it's the logo of that media outlet, you know, the WKAN or, you know, whatever that that station might be or or a logo of that host school or visiting school that might be there as part of that team's media that is appropriate, especially at those lower levels, for them to walk up to you before a game and, and get names um, because they're going to use that in the broadcast. And they're not there to use it in a punitive way, not to say, oh, Chad Ozy made a horrible call. They may think it. They're probably not going to say that in the midst of the, uh, uh, of the thing. They're not going to call you out by name. But they may just simply use it at the opening tip. Hey, our officials today are, you know, uh, or uh, I've heard you say before, uh, you know, they're, they're going to a monitor review and they're going to look at something. Well, our, our lead official tonight, Jeff Cross, is going to the table to take a look at this. You know, was that a three? Was it a two or whatever it might be? And that can be very, very helpful. That's different than just somebody coming down out of the stands going, well, what are your guys' names? And I, I think because of the culture and climate that we're in, in officiating these days, some people are just very hesitant. Um, you know, we, we talked a couple episodes ago about uh, official abuse, and there's so much of that that's out there right now. I think that does make people hesitant. But as you move up to these more professional environments at the collegiate level and beyond, that is a, a totally acceptable thing. And Jeff, you might even talk a little bit, you know, as we move up even further from that, there are responsibilities that we as officials have to the media personnel. Can you talk a little bit about that for some of our folks that might not be as familiar? Yeah, you know, it, it, the, obviously, I, I, think it, I think it should apply everywhere, whether it's a junior college game or even a division one game in whatever league we really want to have as many people as informed as possible. When we inform as many people as possible, then there's a real chance that the real message is going to be relayed. If, if, if Alex is, is doing a game of mine and we have some sort of whatever weird monitor review or some ruling that is abnormal, 
I want to check in with him to make sure he understands what's happening. So he can explain to the people who are listening because the, he, like he said at the very beginning, he's trying to paint a picture. And the best way you can do that is have the correct information. If you as an official do not give people the information, then you're leaving it to them to just make it up what they think is happening. And that is, it's, that's our responsibility. You know, whether that's Alex at the broadcast booth or the official scorer or, you know, the person all the way down to the end doing play by play, we want to have that correct information spread um, like wildfire. So that way, when Alex does get on the radio or the TV or whatever that is, he's not giving bad information and go, oh, that's not right. And it turns into, you know, I've said for years, we're training people. And if I, if I just make a call and you make an assumption on why that call is being made, I'm just training you that that's what you think until I give you the information that would be proper, I guess. So I think that's, it. I'm not sure if a lot of officials do that. I, I would assume they do, um, but it, it's our responsibility. It's a responsibility we may not necessarily like as officials, but it's a responsibility that is ours. And it is, it is if you're listening to a broadcast, you go, oh, that, that, that announcement we're talking about, well, did you help them understand? Did you take, you got three minutes during a media timeout. Did you go over and, you know, touch base with the announcer say, hey, that's the reason we don't switch the arrows because they're the foul or whatever that may be just to help you understand to paint that better picture. Well, if I can sneak in here and on that point about um, kind of at least wrapping up for me, my thoughts on uh, making sure I get the officials names is because I'd much rather put a name to the person instead of, well, the ref makes that call on the baseline or the ref mm -hmm. with the call or the ref's going to get the ball. No, Chad Ozzy's going to get the ball or Jeff Cross throws the ball to the free throw shooter. You know, like, because otherwise I feel like it's almost, you know, maybe not officials abuse, but to me it is kind of demeaning the officials because it's like, okay, well, you have no problem say the names of the other 10 people on the floor, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, and that that's just kind of something I've always tried to do when I can get it. And, you know, I've, I've said in the past, you know, my name is Jeff Cross. It's not computer. It's not robot. You know, my, I actually have a family and, you know, I've been married and I bleed red just like everyone else. So the, the more you say my name, whether it be in a good light or a bad light, at least everyone can hopefully relate that to he is a human being. Yeah. And, and I think it goes back to that, you know, that statement that we made a, a couple of episodes ago, Jeff, about just we want to be seen as human. You know, and part of that humanity is that, yes, we will make mistakes and we acknowledge that we will not be perfect because we're human. But at the same time, uh, being human, um, we we feel, you know, we 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 experience emotions and, and all those kinds of things that that go into it as well. You know, Alex, aside from just some of those kinds of things, but when you're watching a game, and it really doesn't matter what sport, and, and again, I, I mentioned you were so many different sports, what are visual things that you see from officials that automatically make you think, Ugh, I'm just not sure this person is going to be that good tonight? Well, um, I think, you know, just kind of general body language. I know that sounds almost maybe like a cop out, but like, you know, even something as minute as maybe just kind of, you know, halfway in, you know, underhand toss to the, instead of a nice clean, you know, throw to the um, player or, you know, maybe you got to go to the monitor for a review and you might just kind of be walking over there, kind of mulling it over with your partner as you're going to the monitor instead of kind of jogging over there, make sure you can get the call right but still do it in as efficiently a manner as possible. And so I, I think primarily what I'm looking at is body language, maybe not necessarily what they call or don't call, um, but just that initial like, okay, they seem like they have a little pep in their step. They're ready to go. They're ready to have a good game. And you know, obviously the game goes the way it may in terms of how those calls truly do go, but they're in the best, I guess, mood probably is the um, base word to use here. Um, Cause honestly, and I don't know if either of you two could speak to it, but like, if you're in a bad enough mood, it may get to the point where it's just kind of out of your control and it may end up affecting a call or two if you've simply just had that bad of a day. And I, I, I'm sure, and I've kind of had that as a broadcast, like if I'm in a bad enough mood, like if our team's playing bad enough, I, I had an example last year where I said crap on our broadcast last year <laughs> because, because I was just so frustrated with how we were playing. I just, the filter just went whoop. 
and right out the window. And like, I, I'm, I'm guessing, I would assume that that does happen to officials too. Like if you're just having a bad enough day, you know, maybe a call might slip, a call or two might slip through the cracks that you may not normally make, or maybe a call that you make that you may not make. Yeah, I definitely yeah. think that it affects at least at the bare minimum, our coach communication, coach and player communication. You know, I think when we have days like that, that we're allowing it to affect us in that way. Um, now, if a coach responds in a borderline manner, well, it's really easy to pull out that technical foul. And, and it, it may have been earned, but maybe we would have given a little bit more grace or whatever, you know, had it not been that way. I, I think for all of us, again, just going back to that humanity idea, you know, when we're struggling. But if, if we have one of those days that we're struggling and officials, I hope we're hearing this the way that we present ourselves matters. Like Jeff said, not only are we being judged when we first walk out, but how we, how we go about our business communicates. And Jeff has preached to us over and over and over on this podcast that communication has to be key to what we do as officials. And communication is not just the words we use. It's not just the hand gestures, but it's the way that we present who we are and, and, and what we do. Don't you think, Jeff? Oh yeah, very much so. You know, it's, it's amazing. You know, I've, I've said this before. I don't know if I've ever said it in the podcast before, but we all have one thing that we, we very rarely use and it's the, like the best tool. And all we got to do is smile. We smile. It's contagious. The person next to you smiles. There's not always a great time, you know, the, a perfect time. It's not always you can't always smile just to make things turn around. But when you do smile, it can have a different effect on someone. Um, so we need to use that tool that we all have. But I've watched people work games and I've watched whether I'm on the game with them or I'm you know, watching the game from the bleachers and use very little smiles or, or positive body language, we'll call it. And that has a great effect on the people that are around you. You know, just a simple positive body language, you know, as I tell my baseball players, head up, shoulders back, right? We're going to walk with confidence. We're going to talk with confidence. And if you do those things, people will expect that out of you. And this is something you haven't mentioned yet either. And Alex, hopefully you could speak into this. Sometimes it's the body of work. You know, you're talking about a person who's been around for, you know, in, in broadcasting for, you know, a number of years, right? And I've seen many, many officials. And sometimes you may see Jeff Cross more than once a year or Chad Ozzie, whatever that is. So you're, yeah, Jeff maybe misses one, Chad misses one from your angle, but you're taking in, in context of the whole body of work. Sometimes even as small as just those four quarters that you're working that day. So some, sometimes we get a little leniency, I guess you would say, but and same thing with a coach, same thing with a player. You don't get so frustrated with a player who usually makes, you know, 80% percentage from the free throw line and then they miss one you're like oh i can't believe they missed a free throw you're like well listen she, she usually makes 80 percent, so she's got to miss one eventually and our body of work shows that and sometimes we're expecting younger officials to have that great um uh, recall of plays and and being able to you know go to the next play but they haven't developed the body of work yet they're still building on that and once they get that quality foundation, it's going to help. Well, and and, let and, me let me throw in a quick yeah. little story here, Alex. I think will maybe lead you uh, with your response just a little bit. So Jeff and I had the opportunity to work a game uh, that you were broadcasting just a week or so ago. And um, both the coaches in that game were great. They were both passionate. They were all those kinds of things. It was awesome. Uh, Jeff and I were actually we we pulled on the the uh, the post game afterwards and and we're listening as we headed home and and it was great because I I love coaches that are passionate and both the coaches that were on that game are coaches that I highly respect um, would would consider to have very 
professional relationships with both of them. And so what I'm getting ready to say uh, in no way, shape or form is, is meant as a, as a negative. It's meant as a reality of what we do. Coaches come out of a situation and they are emotionally charged. You know, they come out of a, a tight win. Things are better than they could have been. They come out of a tough loss. Things can be tough. And uh, so you were kind of speaking to that body of work and you made some sort of comment to the, uh, to the head coach in the post game uh, saying, you know, Hey, we had a, we had a really good officiating crew out there tonight. And the coach's response was, eh. and that was it. Like that was, that was the extent of the response, but it was, eh. and, and I just want you to know, we have died laughing. I'm getting t-shirts made up that say eh, on it. I haven't figured out how to spell it yet, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm working on that. Um, but I, I do think, you know, even though you work for a team, what you did in that moment was you brought that kind of centering, you know, idea to it. Okay, I've, I've seen these people work. I've seen Jeff work countless Division One games. You know, I, I know he can handle this game that was here tonight. I've, I've seen Chad work postseason. I've seen him work tournaments. I've seen that. Our other official did a phenomenal job uh, that night and, and, and all that kind of thing. So speak to that a little bit, one, about that body of work that Jeff was talking about, but then also how sometimes, even though you are cheering for a, for a team, but you still get to bring a little balance to what you do as a broadcaster. Yeah, and, and I, I think kind of to that point, like, you, you have to acknowledge like that that's the official like they do a good job or they have a good crew and you know like the coach isn't always going to agree with you and I'm not going to lie that kind of hit me like a brick wall when that comment was made because I, I I knew that you guys probably were listening to it and I and here's the thing though and this is perhaps a note um, for the officials as well like I'm calling it for a team and I, and I might make some comments for or against the officials, but at the same time, even though I may have professional relationships with people like you and Jeff, at the same time, I'm not going to go full like this is a broadcast for officials, you know. So mm -hmm. like even though I might think that you guys are a great crew, but I'm not just saying that because, oh, well, I've known them for a while and they've always been really nice to me and what have you. They actually are genuinely good officials. And, you know, like you say, in the heat of a moment in, quite frankly, an exhibition game lost that, you know, to a degree, the people that can still not be over it are not over it. Um, and, you know, it, it can be easy to do things like that. And and I would kind of say this, too, on the officiating front, like if you feel and this is maybe you could even use this in life. And I know that's kind of something you were talking about um, when you were kind of surmising the podcast to me is just because like in an officiating lens, just because you feel like you might've called the bad game, don't let that carry over to your next assignment. Cause yes. it's, it's going to just almost be a snowball effect. Mm -hmm. You know, if you let it carry over, maybe you're watching film. What did I call right? What did I call wrong? And it's just going to snowball into the next game. If you work so much on what you got wrong, as opposed to what you got right, that that's why, you know, it's on to the next one. You know, you flush it, on the next assignment, on to the next game. But at the same time, down from my perspective, team officials down the middle. Because mm -hmm. in that sense, maybe not an emotion, because, you know, sure. back to what you were saying, I'm working for a team. But you do have to kind of tread that line lightly of where you almost, you know, you don't want to sound like you're full on, you know, talking for the officials, but you're still for a team, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So as we begin to, to wrap this up, Alex, first of all, I just appreciate this, this different perspective that you bring us. You know, a lot of times we hear from coaches, we hear from other officials, uh, we'll hear from assigners or coordinators and things like that. But it's very rare that we get to hear uh, from someone that does what you do. And uh, even though you are uh, you are young, uh, the words that Jeff used of professional definitely apply. And I would say you have probably done more in your years of broadcasting than some people that have been doing it 
you know, seven, eight times longer than you, uh, because you're, you're in a gym almost every day, uh, doing some sort of, of sport or a field or something. And, uh, and I think that's just amazing. So let me just ask you this. Is there a, is there a goal for you? Is there, you know, is there a kind of game you want to be able to call, or is there a level you want to reach? You know, what's that, as you work on your uncommon drive towards success, what, what does that success look like for you someday? Well, I really hope he doesn't listen to this episode, but I want to do uh, my because what I kind of categorize it as short term career goal, long term career goal. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is my short term career goal, even though it might sound like a bigger picture thing, is something that might actually be feasible that I might actually be able to achieve in the next couple of years. And my long term career goal, you're talking about something that actually might be a dream level job. So like for me, that might be play by play in the NBA or studio analyst on ESPN or something like that, mm -hmm. or, you know, athletic director at a major college or something like that. But my short term career goal and going back to, I hope he's not listening to this, um, is radio play by play for Bradley women's basketball, because mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's something that, you know, and you talked about my passion specifically for women's college basketball and that they, you know, to get to do, two of my passions in one job. Mm. And that, that's kind of my motivation is just the passion I have for it and to be able to display that passion, not necessarily in a show-offy way, but just be able to be as passionate as I am about those two things at the next level up. And even on the public address announcing side, like um, give a brief shout out to one of my PA announcing friends, Greg Gardner, who's the PA announcer for the Chicago Sky, who just won the WNBA title. Like to maybe get to somewhere like that, PA announcing at the NBA or WNBA level is something I've kind of had in my back pocket is something I want to do. But it's seeing people like Greg, seeing people like we got Ed Hammond and Dave Snell here at Bradley for the women and men, respectively, and seeing how much they love what they do, not just what I love what I do, what they love what they do, and seeing, man, it would be really cool if I could do that in a couple of years. So, you know, we've all heard the phrase, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I kind of treat that in a professional sense announce don't announce for the game you have announce for the game you want don't broadcast for the game you have broadcast for the game you want and that's not degrading to any of the teams i have that's not saying well i think you're too low on the totem pole for where i want to be i'm just trying to get better every day it has nothing to do with what level of play i'm seeing out on the court or field or what have you so that's that's kind of how i'd put it together so I don't know if you're going to go here or not, Chad. I know you're getting ready to wrap things up, but I really, really need to know because Alex is, you know, definitely has an uncommon mindset, you know, just from everything he's done in the past, whatever that'd be four or five years. How many years have you been kind of doing this, Alex? Uh, I'm just about to work my 900th game total here in a couple of weeks. So nine, about so, nine, 10 years. So, yeah. So a hundred games a year in, in all sports, all everything you've done total. So 900. Yeah. Yep. So, so just to, just to be clear, 900 games in approximately 10 years, you are, how old are you now? Uh, 23. So that makes you at 13. Yeah, I actually, so I, I'll make it as short as possible because I know Chad's trying to wrap up, but my first ever PA announcing. We don't care announcing, about, about me wrapping anything up. <laughs> Jeff, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. Um, that's just a, but, a pie in the sky hope. So, so it would start it started as I was a seventh grade basketball player at St. Mary's grade school in the Metamora. Shout out to St. Mary's. Um, but I would play the seventh grade game and PA the eighth grade game. Shut and then up. when I became an eighth grader, I PA the seventh grade game. And then there just wasn't a PA announcer for the fourth quarter. So I could go down to the locker room and change and get ready for my game. And um, so I got relayed to the high school athletic director. One thing led to another. And here we are, like I said, about 900 games later. That's that's an amazing story, dude. And it's an amazing story. And the fact that you are in seventh grade and you're willing to take on more responsibilities right now, we live in a day and age because I'm in the school system. I'm, I'm part of, you know, junior high athletics and high school athletics. It, it is a, an absolute war sometimes just to get kids to show up for a practice. You're talking about what you did 10 years ago like, okay, not only am I going to be there for the game, I'm going to be there for the first game, PA announced for the whole game, and then leave the fourth quarter, go get ready for my game. Th that is 
uncommon with a capital U. I mean, it's, it is, I want to know, do you think that uncommon drive that you had at what 12, 13 years old, is it the more same less as here we are looking at 22 and and you, now you're, you're embarking on your 900 broadcast. I I would almost say more because Mm. if, if you keep it at the same, you're not getting anywhere in, in, in your business or really in life. And um, kind of talking about, and this is something, another tidbit I've learned in broadcasting, never say no to a job. I mean, ob- obviously, you know, if you've got, if you've got enough jobs that you frankly just have to say no, like um, ICC women's basketball has kind of been giving me a little crap because I may not be at another game till December 4th because all the other jobs I have. But, um, you know, the more jobs you work, you know, you're going to get the more experience, you know. So, you know, it might take, you know, maybe I've got a long week, but you know what? This is a really unique game. And looking at this from an official's perspective, I should have let off with that. But, um, you know, this is a really unique assignment I could have here. I've had a really long week, but I really think I should take this assignment and, and, you know, and not say, well, I'm too busy or I've had a really long week. I can't work that game or something like that. So it's about that drive. Like, I want to go out there and work that game. Yes, I will work that game. Yes, I will broadcast that game. Yes, I can make it. Because the more times you say no, you don't know what could have happened if you end up saying no. You don't want to be like, oh, man, you know, I said yes to that game. And, like, honestly, Chuck Swirsky from the Chicago Bulls, his radio play-by-play for them, reached out on Twitter, said, hey, if you're a young broadcaster, send in your film, whatever. And I'm, at first I'm like, oh, I'm kind of surprised he wants to do that. But I said, you know what? I need to send it in to him. And we've kind of kept, albeit from afar, but a fairly working relationship on how to get better um, in my basketball play-by-play broadcasting. So you never know by that one no you make what yes it could have turned into. Mm. If you all could have seen Jeff's head bobbing up and down like a bobblehead the moment Alex started talking about that stuff. You have just hit his wheelhouse, Alex. Go ahead, Mm -hmm. Jeff. Yeah, man. I mean, I tell people all the time. Never say no. You get, you know, my phrase is you get one chance to say no, you know, whatever that may be. So Alex, just, just to put it in perspective for you. So whatever the Chicago guy calls you and say, Hey, I want you to come do the PA uh, game uh, opening day. And you say, no, that may be the only chance you get because they're going to call someone who says yes. And then when they need someone again, they're going to call the person who said yes last time. They're not going to call the person who said no. Oh, but we really like him. But we didn't make a difference. We need someone who's going to say yes. And this applies in officiating. This applies in work. This applies in the corporate world. People in in a position of authority, we'll call it, or supervisory positions, are looking for people to say yes to the assignment, and that's what they want. And you have to say it again for me, Alex, because I want to make sure I understand it. You said. You never know what what the no could turn into a yes. Say it again for me. You never know if that no could turn into the big. I, I'll kind of rephrase it because I like what I'm about to say better. You Ooh, never right, know. <laughs> you never know if that no could have turned into the biggest yes of your life or your professional career or whatever it may be because and i'll I'll use a brief example with well i just got Bradley women's basketball just did uh their exhibition against mckendry last night um i knew when they reached out and said do i want to come back that if i said yes i was probably gonna have to miss a decent amount of icc women's basketball games a job i really love but I tell you what, I had that drive, I had that passion that I wanted to get back in working Division One college basketball. And sometimes you're going to have to make those sacrifices in your life and your professional career where I really love working for ICC women's basketball. But I also really love Division One college basketball. And in order to do both, I'm going to have to miss some games of one or the other. And that's just the crux of it. And so I told them yes, because they want somebody that's going to be able to say yes for every game and not turn it down. Because I didn't want that no of Bradley to turn into me sitting and watching Bradley games either on ESPN or at home being like, man, I really wish I would have said yes and I'd be at that scorer's table right now or, you know, yeah. something like that. So it, it, it kind of hits you like a brick sometimes, honestly. But I tell you, looking back, especially after last night, 
um, I, I'm really thankful I said yes to that email to get back into Bradley women's basketball. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I believe that this is a decision you will never regret. Oh, this, no, not at all. I mean, you'll, you'll be in the nursing home, 80 years old, talking to your announcer friends and go, yeah, I remember when I said yes. This will be a decision that will stick with you forever. And it'll probably actually cause you to make uh, more informed and greater decisions to say yes down the road for whatever opportunities yeah. in your way. Um, yep. Sorry about this, Chad. I'm stealing the show here. Go for I it. Wanna, I, I want to ask you another question, and this may be a little personal. Um, and if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. But out of the 900 games that you're getting ready to broadcast, how many did you do? for either free or way less money than you deserved? Well, I, I, will, I will tell you this. Um, I can't pinpoint an exact number. I can tell you it's probably at least a third of them, maybe a little less than that, but it's probably mm-hmm. about a third of them. But he, here's what I say to that, and, and you know, kind of to turn it back on the lens of officiating too as well. You've got to start somewhere at that I either free paying or extremely low paying um, level of sport in, in order to get to where you want to get to. Like you can't just go in scot-free thinking, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a division one sports information director and earn over a hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever it may be. And like, you have to start at that position. Like, yes, coach, I'd love to help you out with that. What do you need? You know, and th- things like that. And, you know, People have asked me that too. Like, why do you do it for free? You know, you've been doing this long enough. You should be getting paid more for that. And like, there are some things like where, you know, maybe in hindsight, I think, well, maybe if I did get paid a little more, I think I might, you know, that might be worth it. But at the same time, it's like, you know what? I love what I do. And sometimes, especially considering I feel like I'm in a position right now where I'm having enough jobs that are broadcasting jobs that are bringing money and that I have the flexibility to do that. And that's an important thing to note there, but that I have the flexibility if I'm like, you know what, I may not be getting paid a whole lot of money for this, but gosh, darn it. Do I really love what I'm doing right now? And, and some, sometimes that, you know, you do have to get to the money at some point or another of your career, but back circling right back to the beginning. If you love what you do, you're in the perfect spot. Uh, I, I listened to some podcasts, some other podcasts, YouTube videos, and some other speakers. And I heard someone say, whatever the job is that you want. So let's just say you want to work for, I don't know, you want to work. We'll say the sports information director at a division one university. That's your, that's your dream job. If you really want to do it, you go and tell uh, whoever that person is in charge of that university and say, okay, I'm willing to donate my time for six months for free. I just, all I want is the experience. I want, I don't, I'll do anything. I'll be the hardest worker, whatever it is. And then in six months, one of two things are going to happen. Either you didn't perform like you should have, and they're going to let you go. Or they're going to see how hard you work and how hard you enjoy that. They're going to hire you. They're going to offer you a position if that's what you want to do. So I'm not saying you got to go out and do things for free, but to put it in a real perspective of just in my life, I volunteered at our small Grace Christian Academy for, you know, I'm going to say 20 years, but it's probably closer to 15 for free. Did uh, just top to bottom, all kinds of athletic stuff for free. And all of a sudden one day principal walks up and says, Hey, would you like to be the athletic director? I never asked for the job but I would love to do that job. And now I'm, I have the opportunity to be the third highest paid person in the high school, in that school system as an athletic director with a high school education. How does that work? I did, if you ask anyone, you can't do it unless you get these degrees. Well, I think sometimes we're led to believe that. And then we go get these degrees and meanwhile, you still don't have the passion or the work ethic or willing to commit and sacrifice as you've done over the past 900 broadcasts to get what you want. And that prize may not come to you at 25 or 27. It may even be 30, 35. And all of a sudden, that big prize is going to show when you least expect it. And you're going to go, all of it was worth it. Well, and kind of on that note real quick, 
don't be afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. Do not be afraid to ask. My first two Division One roles I ever had, when I got Bradley women's basketball in the winter of 16 and ISU women's soccer, Illinois State, if there's any out-of-state listeners, but um, Illinois State women's soccer in the fall of 16. I got those because I had the drive to go out and search out the contact information for the respective sports information directors at those institutions because I didn't care if it was free. I thought I had the opportunity. I thought I had the talent to do that at the college level. And if I needed to email them out of the blue, no application, no nothing, so be it. And that's what got me into college athletics. I was thankful that both of them enough said, hey, come down, do some reads for us. And here we are, well, for college athletics five years later. That's awesome. So just to be clear, just to be clear, sorry, you can have it back in just a second, Chad. Just to be clear, what you did to get these positions, you mean you didn't sit back in your recliner and go, well, I can't wait for those guys to call me. You didn't do that? No. I right. like, I you, you just send the email. Like it might seem kind of awkward, like, well, there's one thing, and oh, it's just some kid on the other line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I did explain, you know, I've done high school for a couple of years and like girls soccer, especially for ISU women's soccer. What I told them is, you know, I, I'm PA announcer for a high school girls soccer program in the area, yada, yada. Um, but don't be afraid to make that uncomfortable step. And, you know, you talk about an uncommon drive. I think sometimes part of that uncommon drive is a bit of an uncomfortable drive. There's going to be steps. There's going to be those bumps in the road. We're like, Ooh, this feels really uncomfortable to send this email to somebody that has no idea who I am, no idea what I do, and they're just going off my words in an email. But kind of going back to my point that you never know if the one no you say turns into your biggest yes. Like, if I if I just kind of sit back and go, well, you know, they they'll, they'll probably say no anyway, and then some kid turns out to be a twenty thirty plus year voice of that program. Um, and that could have been me had I, you know, worked up the guts, worked up the drive to send that email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you say? What's your, something about if they say no, you've lost nothing or something like that. Oh yeah. You know, th- I say all the time, you know, you have not cause you ask not, which happens to be a, a biblical concept, uh, in uh, part of my other role that I have, but, um, you know, the worst that somebody can say is no, that's the worst they can say. And if they say no, I'm right where I'm at. I'm not any worse off. You know, hey, Jeff, will you take me to lunch today? No. Okay. Well, that's the same spot I was five minutes ago. You know, I got to go get my own lunch. Maybe there's a chance Jeff says yes. And I get a free lunch. And I get to spend time with Jeff. You know, those are those are two wins for me. Um, and, and I think we see that a lot. And one of the things that I'd like to do here, Alex, um, there may be some people out there. There may be some officials out there who have kids who are super excited about the idea of, you know, broadcasting and, and that kind of thing. Um, there may be other people that are, that are listening that would just love to hear, to hear the work that you do. We've talked about it. Now they want to check out and see if, if we're real or not. What are ways that people could either, number one, get in contact with you or two, follow what you do from a professional standpoint? So I, I try to keep a pretty good profile on social media, not just to say, hey, look what I'm doing, you know, but just kind of, you know, sharing like that's part of my passion. Like, I love what I do. I love to say, oh, I'm so thankful to have worked this game last night. But anyway, so on my Twitter, it's literally just my first last name, first name. It's Stab, S-T-A-A-B, Alex. Um, and I, I typically live score updates and just kind of say where I'm at. Um, Mixler is where about 90% of my broadcasting is. I'm doing, I'm actually about as soon as we get off the call, I've got to go print off some prep for a volleyball broadcast tonight up in Joliet. Um, but so Mixler it's M I X L R.com slash first name, last name. So basically take my Twitter handle that I just told y'all and flip it right around. And, um, that that's how you can find uh, a lot of my broadcasts, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I, I would love the more officials. That, and, like, if you're tuned in on Mixer, you can chime in in the chat box. So if I say, well, if we have any officials out there that could – because I know I have officials tuned in, people like yourself, Chad, like maybe Jeff too, like that could maybe explain what just happened because, like, I'll explain what I can tell you, and then maybe you can help me from there. And that, 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 you know, that working relationship that I've had with you two with officials over the years, it, it takes a – 
takes a big step for me too. Yeah, and it's obvious that Alex has has made an impact uh, on people. I I just was scrolling through Alex's Facebook page the other day. Alex is young, so he doesn't use Facebook nearly as much as we old people do, but he still has a presence there. And uh, and the awesome thing was, I noticed all of these people that follow what Alex does that that are officials. Um, that are junior college officials, that are high school officials, that are junior high officials. And that's that's uncommon uh, for those people to want to be connected and see what you do. And I, I think it makes a I think it says a lot about uh, about who you are and what you bring to the games uh, in those multiple different sports. Alex, we really appreciate you giving time today in the midst of a busy class schedule. Alex came right out of class and then uh, hopped onto the Zoom call with us. Um, really appreciate what you do uh, for the world of sports. Uh, appreciate the professionalism that you bring to it. I appreciate the courtesy that you give us as officials because you do. You are one of those people that's not just looking to to bash someone, but to, to call the game the right way. And uh, so we appreciate you. Any last words from you, Jeff? Yes, I just want to say this. Uh, I thought I knew Alex before, but I've learned so much more about him. And, and some of that took some assumptions that this is what I would assume some of the stuff I'm hearing is probably what I was going to hear, but I want to say this. Um, I respect your work ethic. Um, I believe it is second to none. And um, the, the great things, I believe the great things that are in store for you are going to be nothing short of amazing. Excellent work, Alex. Well, and if I can get uh, one final thing in here, I appreciate what you two do just with this podcast. Cause like, I can't imagine like both Jeff, what you do with Grace Christian and Chad. I've seen all the different stuff you've been doing lately too. It's like I couldn't host a podcast too. Like like what am I supposed to do? Record the podcast on the bus ride back from Mount Carmel, <laughs> Illinois? Shoot. Like I'm not gonna and and like even today, like um I'm going to Joliet Catholic. I'm leaving at about two o'clock. Classes I'm able to register, but not until two thirty this afternoon. So like shoot, I have to kind of rush it together just to register for classes, but kind of the work ethic with you guys and and the podcast you do here and like you said i was listening to one of them on the way back from an icc women's basketball broadcast too so um keep up the great work you guys do with this podcast and i'm i'm more than happy that you guys were wanting to ask me to be part of the episode as well well we appreciate it so much alex everybody i hope that this has been helpful to you um, five star as, rating. Five star rating. Yeah, give us give us a five star rating. Uh, write us a review. That's that's a huge help. We're going to push this out on Alex's social media as well, so that people can hear all the great things that he's doing, and be exposed to that. Uh, but we hope it's another reminder to you of all those different ways that you can have an uncommon drive towards success. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.